In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The voices of the Passion narrative are many and varied. Some stand out almost stridently. The voice of Pilate, the voices of the gathered crowd, the voices of the bandits, for example. But there are so many other voices in play, passers-by, soldiers, the women of Jerusalem, the women who had followed him from Galilee, the Pharisees, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who would later provide eyewitness accounts. The voices are many and varied, and together they provide for the telling of this execution and what it will mean for the life of the world. Whatever the church comes to believe about this moment in history, whatever you come to embrace about Jesus, it begins with this account and its ensuing echoes throughout the ages. No theologian of note walks through her task without finally landing at the foot of the cross. In these next few minutes, hear testimonies of a few who have labored to bring the power and scandal and offense and wonder of this holy tragedy to bear on their own day. Dorothy Sayre, 20th century English writer and accidental theologian. She sets the stage for anything that might be said about the cross of Christ in her work, Creed or Chaos. She writes, we are constantly assured that the churches are empty because preachers insist too much on doctrine, dull dogma, as people call it. The fact is precise opposite. It is the neglect of dogma that makes for dullness. The Christian faith is the most exciting drama that ever staggered the imagination, and dogma is the drama. Continuing in another work of hers, The Man Born to be King, she offers, it is curious that people who are filled with horrified indignation whenever a cat kills a sparrow can hear that story of the killing of God told Sunday after Sunday and not experience any shock at all. Teresa of Avila, 16th century Carmelite mystic and doctor of the church, she was shocked, so much so that her visions included in her work the interior castle often began and ended at the foot of the cross. She saw love in Christ's sacrifice, the love that would ideally inspire every act of mercy performed for the sake of neighbor. She writes, when the occasion arises, Strive to accept work yourself so as to relieve your neighbor of it. Don't think that it won't cost you anything or that you will find everything done for you. Look at what Christ's love for us cost him. In order to free us from death, he died that most painful death on the cross. Hildegard of Bingen a German Benedictine writer, composer, mystic of the 12th century, also known as Sybil of the Rhine. She was eager for the faithful to associate her experience at the foot of the cross with God's experience of loss and self-emptying in the Sunday sacrament. 
writing in her work, Scivius, she serves as an oracle of the divine. I, says God, I see that my son did this in the hour of his death as he was about to perish on the wood of the cross so that when the blessed offerings of the holy sacrifice is offered to me by a priest, I might always have his passion in my sight. For Christ also offered me bread and wine in the outpouring of his blood when he cast down death and raised up humanity. Then Gertrude the Great, an Italian Benedictine and mystic of the 14th century, recognized in the calendar of the Episcopal Church on November the 19th, Gertrude wants to take her experience of the cross a step further. She longs for the standing marks, the stigmata tattoo, to accrue to her own body in order that she might never forget. At one point she writes, O most merciful Lord, engrave your wounds on my heart with your most precious blood, that I may read in them both your grief and your love, and that the memory of your wounds may ever remain in my inmost heart to awaken my compassion for your suffering and increase in me your love. For Gemma Galgani, Italian mystic of the early 20th century, the marks of the passion were not enough. She was so moved by the experience of the cross that she could do no other but long for all of her suffering to be his and all of his suffering to be hers. Jesus was near, she writes. How could I bear to see Jesus suffering and not help him? And then I felt myself consumed by an unquenchable desire to suffer and begged and entreated of Jesus to grant me this grace. And then taking the crown of thorns from his own head, he placed it on mine and fixed it on my temples. These are most painful but blessed moments. Now, Flannery O'Connor, she knew that there were many for whom Gemma took things too far. At the same time, Ms. O'Connor had no patience whatsoever for those who imagined there might yet be a saving without the crucified Christ. In, in wise blood, her farcical evangelist Hazel Moat looks to create a new church. She writes, I want to tell you people, in the voice now of Hazel, the evangelist, I want to tell you people something. Maybe you think you're not clean because you don't believe. Well, you are clean. Let me tell you that. Every, every one of you people are clean, and let me tell you why. If you think it's because Jesus Christ was crucified, you're wrong. I don't say he wasn't crucified, but I say it wasn't for you. I'm going to preach a new church a church of truth without Jesus Christ crucified. It won't cost you anything to join my church. It's not started yet, but it's going to be soon. Building on the teaching of the absurd, 
building on this absurd example of Hazel, whose proclamation ultimately leads to nihilism. Fleming Rutledge, renowned 21st century preacher of the Episcopal Church, stands at the foot of the cross and declares all things, all saving to be rooted in the sacrifice of Christ, this execution, this blood offering. She writes, the crucifixion is the touchstone of Christian authenticity, the unique feature by which everything else, including the resurrection, is given its true significance. The resurrection is not a set piece. It is not an isolated demonstration of divine dazzlement. It's not to be detached from its abhorrent first act. The resurrection is precisely the vindication of a man who was crucified. Without the cross at the center of the Christian proclamation, the Jesus story can be treated as just another story about just another charismatic spiritual figure. It is the crucifixion that marks out Christianity as something definitively different in the history of religion. It is in the crucifixion that the nature of God is truly revealed. And so begins this week, great week, with a cacophony of voices building in common crescendo to his final scream, his final concession, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He came, he died, that you might have life and that more abundant. Come and take up the cross of Christ. Cherish his death, that you might yet know the way to the empty tomb.